This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. This morning, we are going to concentrate in the study on the qualification of elders. Now, I'd like to say that this lesson is for everybody here. It's just not for men that are working uh, trying to achieve this office, to do the work of an elder. It's for everybody, okay? If in this study you feel like your toes are being stepped on, please know that it is not directed towards you uh, as far as I'm concerned. My toes have been stepped on many times, including on these type of studies about elders. <clears throat> It is a lesson for everybody in the church. Grown men should constantly adjust their behavior and their growth to become this kind of man that we're going to talk about today. It's the kind of man that God wants you to be. And if there's something in your life that disqualifies you from being an elder that you can't change, for instance, we'll talk about this later, that you've never had a wife or you've never had children. Still, you should strive to be this kind of man we're going to study about in every way that you can. Young men, make it your life's mission to become the kind of man we're going to study about this morning. A man of God. Grown women, help your husbands. Raise your sons to become this kind of man. Help them. It's a team effort. Young women, don't settle for any other type of man than the type of man we're going to study about. And I don't mean you've got to hold off to get married until a man becomes an elder. That's not what I'm saying. What we're saying here is don't settle on a man that's not working to become this type of man that we're going to study about. You deserve that. You deserve a man that's going to be the kind of husband that God intended you to have and the kind of father to your children that we're going to study about this morning. Now, last Sunday we studied about the office, the position that God created. It is a creation of God. It is good and it is necessary. It is needful for us. We studied about the work, the work of an elder, the shepherding, the oversight, the protection, the feeding. We studied about those things that involve the work of an elder. Today we're going to concentrate on the qualifications, the education and the experience required. <clears throat> now, the office author authorizes a man to do the work. God gives him 
the power and the authority to do the work from the office that God has created. The qualifications equip and enable a man to do the work, you see. They're both necessary to do the work in an efficient manner, in a godly manner. So we're going to read uh, two commissions given to two different evangelists by Paul. The first there in 1 Timothy chapter 3, and verse, starting there in verse 1. This is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth the good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, be patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth, his, ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride he fall in the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of all them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Now I want you to notice Titus. Notice the commission given to Titus that it's the same one that was given to Timothy. There in Titus chapter 1, starting in verse 5, For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children not accused of right or unruly, for a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he, has, he hath been taught, that he may be able to be by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Those, those directives were given. And they're the same to two different evangelists. Now I want to take a look at this. Must these men meet all these qualifications? Must they? Paul gave the same list of qualifications to both evangelists Timothy and Titus. The qualifications are not a general guideline. It's not a general guideline. These are specific qualifications. Every qualification is important and relates directly to some aspect of an elder's work. Now, if we can overlook one qualification, which one can we overlook? And how many? Because that's what happens in the world of religion today. In many places, men are put in and qualifications are overlooked. They're put on the back shelf. <clears throat> and you got a lot of problems that come from that within, within different churches. Now, these qualifications fit into different areas of a man's life. You have the ability to teach, experience, reputation, 
domestic relations, character, and habits. We're going to study every one of them. <clears throat> now, is desire, the desire for the work of an elder, is that necessary? There in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, this is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. He desires the work, not the badge, not the rank. He desires the work. <clears throat> there in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 2, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Desire to do the work of an elder. You need it. You need it. <clears throat> the fact of the matter is, is if you don't want to do a work in the church, nobody's going to force you to do that. The Lord himself is not going to force you to do it. That's a simple fact. Do you have a deep sense of longing to shepherd God's flock? Do you have that? If you don't have it, why don't you? Why don't you desire the work of an elder? If you're in this position, if you're the type of man that's almost qualified and has a lot of good traits, why don't you desire the work of an elder? Do you feel a sense of duty to use the talents and the gifts that God has given you? Do you feel that pull? If you don't, please go home and read Matthew chapter 25. Please read that. Because there's a story there about three men that were blessed with talents. And one of those men took his talents and buried them. Do you see an urgent need for shepherds within the church? Do you see that? Because Christ sees it. Christ sees it. He looked out over the multitude. And the folks, they look like sheep, scattered, without a leader. Vulnerable. Do you see the need? We're going to concentrate on experience, the qualifications that fall under that realm of experience. The scripture reads, he cannot be a novice. What does that mean? He can't be a new convert. Well, why is that? <clears throat> Less being lifted up with pride 
You see, do you remember when you were a new convert? I do. You're so pumped up and you're trying to spread the word of God and most people won't listen to you. Most people laugh at you. I don't know about you, but I kind of developed a sense of superiority. If I heard it, why don't they hear it? There must be something wrong with them. They must be less than me. See, that, that ain't right. You know? We can't have novices as elders because the potential of being lit puffed up with pride exists when a person's not seasoned. An elder cannot be self-willed. What does that mean? The Greek there, 829, means self-pleasing or arrogant. He can't be self-centered. Okay? He just can't. Because the work is a not, it's not about him. He's got to put the flock before himself. A certain level of humility is required. It comes through experience and spiritual growth. An elder cannot be a proud new convert. He has to be humbled and seasoned by experience and spiritual growth. That's a quality. That's a quality that an elder has to have. Reputation. Another area that's covered in these qualifications. An elder must be blameless. The meaning of this is he cannot be reprehended, irreproachable, or not to be caught anywhere by an antagonist, hence one whom there was no just cause for blame. Now, there are going to be people in the, in the world that accuse an elder of things that are not true. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about credible accusations. An elder, he's got to be blameless. He must have a good report of them which are without. What does that mean? Those outside the church, the world, he has to have a good reputation. Now you know as well as I do that we are on our best behavior around our brothers and sisters in Christ. But even... If we're here for three, four, five hours a week, ten hours a week, counting studies and different things like that, we're around people in the world much more, much more. Do we have integrity? Are we the same man when we come here to be with our brothers and sisters as we are out there in the world at the workplace, around our world... Uh, our acquaintances that are in the world. Are we? Because an elder has to have integrity. 
He has to be beyond reproach. No just cause for blame. Has a good reputation outside the church. The men that Lord willing are put forward to be worked with and qualified and ordained as elders. These men, they're going to face some really tough scrutiny. These men, the evangelists are going to go and they're going to talk to people in the world about these men to see how they act out there in the world. It's a very tough, very tough qualification. It speaks to integrity. Domestic relations, the home. The Lord has saw fit to use the home as a proving ground for equipping men to lead the church. The husband of one wife. A church leader's wife will be a great asset to and play an important part in her husband's work. If you don't believe it, ask these two men that are elders now how much of an asset their wife is to his work. So much so that the qualifications are given for deacons' wives in 1 Timothy. A man who has never had a wife, never been a husband, is not qualified to do the work of an elder. It's plain. It's cut and dry. A man who has demonstrated the highest level of devotion, commitment, and faithfulness to his spouse. Literally, the husband of one wife means a one-woman man. A one-woman man. And let me say something real quick. A man can be married to one wife his whole life and not be a one-woman man. He can be married to that woman, but he has a wondering eye. He has a problem with lust. That is not a one-woman man. A man who honors his marriage vows and covenant. He is completely committed to, a faith, to faithfully serve his wife with fidelity. That's what an elder does. He treasures his wife. He is devoted to his wife. And I dare say that the only being beings that he puts before his wife is God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's it. That's the type of men we need as elders. One that ruleth his own house well. A faithful and proven leader of his family. If a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? You see, God has he's seen fit in his infinite wisdom to use the home 
as a proving ground for the church. You see, because our homes are a blessing. It's small, they're homes. But this man has to prove himself because he's going to be a shepherd, a ruler over the family of God, the eternal family. He must be blameless as a steward of God, unreprovable as a manager of his household or of household affairs. Having his children in subjection with all gravity, having faithful children not accused of right and unruly. His children are in subjection to his paternal leadership at home. We know what this looks like, okay? We know when a man has control of his children. Does that mean he's, he's, he's tanning their hides every second of the day? No, that's not what that means. But we know what that looks like. His children faithfully follow his leadership in the home. Faithfully follow his leadership. Does that mean that they don't rebel? No, that's not what that means. We know kids rebel. But it's a pattern of behavior. If his children won't respect and be in subjection to him, how will his flock? If his little kids don't respect and honor him, how can the, the, the family of God? I'd like to say something about this real quick, too, because I think uh, we've, been, we've been pretty strict. And we've applied some of our traditions that aren't not necessarily correct to this qualification. I want you to notice what this says about an elder. Having his children in subjection. Now, I'm going to ask you something. When your kids grow up and leave the home, are they under your rule? They do whatever they want. They're grown men. You can tell them what to do, but hey, they're grown men. They're not under your authority. But the scripture says, having his children in subjection with all gravity. I'm going to tell you what. <laughs> I know a few men that are in their 50s that have children at home still. I don't know any in their 60s that do. Much less 70. You know, uh, sometimes we act like a 40-year-old man is too young to be an elder. I've been guilty of that. I want to pay attention to what this scripture is saying right here. Having his children in subjection. In that case, it sounds like to me that he's still got children at home. He loves and leads his family in a godly way. He is faithful and pr a proven manager of his home. That's the type of men we need to be elders. Character.
An elder must be sober. Meaning of a sound mind. Sane in one's senses, curbing one's desires and impulses. He must be in control of his body and his mind. He must be of good behavior, meaning seemly, modest, living a well-ordered life, or orderly, well-behaved, discreet. He must not be a brawler, meaning not contentious, one who abstains from quarreling. He must be just, meaning in a wide sense, upright, righteous, virtuous, keeping the commands of God. In a narrow sense, rendering to each his due, and then in a judicial sense, passing just judgment on others, whether expressed in words or shown by the manner of dealing with them. He must be just. He must be a righteous, just man. Not playing favorites just because he likes, has an affinity over one person, uh, over another. He must be just. He must be judicial. He must be holy, meaning undefiled by sin, free from wickedness, religiously observing every moral obligation. Pure, pious. Does that mean that the elder don't ever sin? That's not what that means. We all fail from time to time. If we took the attitude that we never failed, we would be in direct opposition to the scriptures. What it means is, is he doesn't have a pattern of that behavior. When he fails... He stops, he turns his back, and he asks for forgiveness, and he he fights the good fight. His lifestyle is not devoted to sin. He does not have strongholds of sin in his life. We heard it earlier in a couple of these interviews we had this week uh, from several people talking about all in, all in, committed. That's what we need in an elder. We don't need an elder that's 95% in and keeping 5% back for himself. We want an elder that's all in. Given to hospitality. Meaning a friend to strangers and generous to guests. One who freely opens his home. He must be hospitable. No striker. Now, uh, some of these things you get some you get some crazy ideas on. I've, you know, uh, heard of folks saying that well, a, an elder can't be a bowler because he can't he can't bowl strikes. You know, he can't be a union man because union people go on strike. That's not what this is talking about. He can't be contentious. He can't be quarrelsome. You know, there's a difference between 
teaching people out of humility and love, teaching the truth, taking a stand for the truth boldly but with meekness in a Christ-like manner. There's a difference between that and entering into a conversation with a believer or an unbeliever with the idea that I'm going to win this. I'm going to win this argument at all costs because you know as well as I do when that happens you will win the argument if it's based on scripture but you'll lose the war because even when you prove people wrong by scripture if you do it the wrong way as a striker or quarrelsome even though they see the truth no most of them won't pay it no attention because of the way it's delivered to them. He can't be a striker. Not greedy of filthy lucre, meaning not eager for base gain or greedy for money. He must not have a greed for money. Does that mean he can't have money? No, that's not what that means. It means he can't love it. He must be patient, not soon angry. Meaning, meaning seeming suitable, equitable, fair, mild, gentle. He's got to be patient. He's got to be patient. Because the work of an elder, it's 24-7. 365 days a year. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. He must not be covetous, a lover of good men, meaning not a friend, lover of money and power, but a friend, a lover of that which is good. We need elders that love righteousness, love goodness, not immersed in worldly things. He demonstrates a wide range of godly attributes. He exemplifies just, sound, modest, virtuous, and pure Christian character. That's the kind of men we need as elders. Look at the habits of elders now. He must be vigilant, temperate, meaning sober, especially in respect to wine. Abstinent, hence sober in mind, watchful, circumspect. He must not be given to wine. You know, oftentimes elders, they get calls in the middle of the night. All times of the day, all times of the night. How is an elder going to make godly, righteous decisions on helping folks if he's high or if he's inebriated. It can't be done because he ain't thinking straight. An elder must be sober, vigilant, temperate. The ability to teach. A 
An elder must be apt to teach. Meaning skillful in teaching. Apt to teach. He's a skilled, he's skilled at teaching. Now there are a lot of men, and I'm not talking about the men here at Wheeler because we are very, very blessed here at Wheeler with the ability that the men have, the time and the effort they put into their teaching. I know, I listen to all your podcasts. But I'm going to tell you something. There are a lot of places where there are a lot of men that are willing to get up and speak. Okay? But they are not skillful. They are not. Being apt to teach means that a man teaches or instructs in a skillful and convincing manner. Some have suggested that a man may be apt to teach but not necessarily be a teacher in the church. We've all heard that. People teach out there in the world just by their lifestyle. And we should all be doing that. Does that mean that we're apt to teach? From the Greek, and I'm going to mess this up. I'm not even going to attempt it. (laughs) Greek 1321. The meaning is to teach, to hold discourse with others in order to instruct them. To deliver didactic discourses, to be a teacher, to discharge the office of a teacher, to conduct oneself as a teacher, to teach one, to impart instruction, to instill doctrine into one, the thing taught or enjoined, to explain or expound a thing, to teach one something. So all this teaching's going on. How can a man be apt to teach if he don't teach? Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able to sound with, by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayer. Does this sound like a man who is unable, unwilling, afraid to stand up and teach his flock when it assembles? It don't sound like that, does it? What if a situation arises, which it does many, many times, where somebody gets up here in this pulpit, not specifically this pulpit because I've never seen it done here before, And says something absolutely wrong. Absolutely wrong. And it's teaching the flock that from up here. What happens if that happens? We've got to have an elder. Or elders. That are willing and able. To get up. And correct that. In a loving. Kind manner. We have to have brave men. We have to have brave men as elders. The most mentioned part of an elder's work is often the ones that are most overlooked. He must be apt to teach. An elder admonishes us. 
He speaks the word of God to us. He exhorts and convinces. He feeds the flock. He is able, skilled, willing, and ready to teach the God, God's word in all circumstances. He's ready to teach on the street corner, in the grocery store, out in the cow pasture. He's ready. He's ready to teach at the Lord's table. He's ready to teach when he leads prayers. He's ready to teach from up here. He is ready to teach in all circumstances. That's apt to teach. Elders don't have to be perfect. As a matter of fact, it's impossible for us as men to be perfect. But he's got to be close. He needs to be close. We as a church need him to be right up there. But I would call your attention to Peter as we think about that. How close to perfection an elder has to be. Let's consider Peter for a minute before we just get too hard and harsh about this. First Peter 5 and 1. The elders which are among you, I exhort, who I am also an elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Peter, he was an elder. He was an elder. Peter also used a sword to cut off an ear. Peter denied the Lord three times. He denied the Lord three times and he, and he used profanity while denying the Lord. Peter did that. Peter was showed favoritism within the church by his actions with the Jews. He was guilty of hypocrisy. He was guilty of acting, okay? Preferring these Jews over the Gentile converts. He's guilty of that. Yet he was made an elder. Peter was far from perfect. Peter had his moments where his behavior was very unbecoming of a Christian. Peter still found a way to be useful to the Lord and became a qualified to lead and to serve as an elder. Dumb mistakes in your past, men. Those dumb mistakes, they don't necessarily disqualify you. Because Peter made some really, really horrendous mistakes. Have you ever cut somebody's ear off? Maybe a couple of you have. I don't know. 
Some of you guys were pretty rough cobs at one time. Have you ever done that? Have you ever stood with a group of people and denied Christ? Not once, but three times? And cussed about it? Mistakes in the past, they can be overcome. You can become an elder if you apply yourself. And I'm going to tell you something, we need you. If you can achieve these qualities, we need you. The church needs you. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.